Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The scripture reading this morning is Acts 13, 26 through 31. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is great to be with you. We are currently in our 50-day journey through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is about the first followers of Jesus, who through the power of the Holy Spirit spread and multiplied the gospel of Jesus Christ, across the first century Roman Empire, beginning in Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria and beyond. And those first followers were sharing the good news of Jesus through word and deed to anyone and everyone who would listen. New disciples were being made and new churches were being planted. And we can draw a line of connection between their faith and our faith between their church and our church, and also between their mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ and our mission too. But sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm not quick to do this. As I have examined my own heart and life, I have identified three common barriers that stand between me and sharing Jesus with others. And maybe these barriers are true for some of you as well. The first one is busyness. Uh, I've got a marriage to cultivate, three older kids to help raise, a church to help lead, uh, a a yard that needs kept, a body that needs exercised. Um, I'm so darn busy, how do I find time to help people see that Jesus cares so much about them? I mean, it's hard uh, enough, isn't it, maintaining relationships within my own circle. How then am I going to find time to intentionally invest in relationships with people outside of that community. I'm busy. And then there is the barrier of distraction. Do you remember the dog in the Pixar movie, Up, that was distracted by what? Squirrels, squirrels, squirrels. That is so me. I get so easy distracted by squirrels. And again, I know that I'm called to share Jesus with others, but I'm distracted by so many things around me whether it's watching too much Netflix or hopefully watching sports on TV or scrolling through all the social media feeds or just the endless things, the fun things to do here in Austin. And sometimes I get distracted by trials and the hard things that are happening in my life that I can't see through them or I can't see really around them. And I'm consumed by the bad things that are also happening in my life. And so all these squirrels and many others, they displace the priority of my life of sharing Jesus with others. 
And finally, there is fear. A fear of rejection, fear of not being liked, fear of not being able to answer somebody's questions, uh, fear of being perceived as being too pushy with my beliefs and my faith. Uh, I fear what others might think of me more than what God might think. And in other words, uh, I fear my ego getting damaged um, is even greater than others not knowing the love and the acceptance of Jesus. And these three are three barriers uh, in my own heart that keep me again from sharing and making it a priority to share Jesus um, with other people. Again, busyness, distraction, and fear. How about you? What are barriers that keep you um, from sharing Jesus with others? Listen to Paul's words to Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Where there is busyness, God gives us self-discipline. Where there is distraction, God gives us love. And where there is fear, God gives us power. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, the first missionary journeys for Paul and Barnabas. And here is a map of where they traveled to. Up to this point, there has been kind of a haphazard spreading of the gospel. But this is a very intentional, designed, strategic expression of moving the gospel to the known world. So Paul and Barnabas go to the island of Cyprus. Then they go up north. And then in chapter 13, which we are today, they arrive in Antioch. And what we read in verse 14 of this chapter is that when they entered the synagogue on that Sabbath day, they went in and they just sat down. And then in verse 15, that after they read from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, stand up and speak. And so Paul did. You didn't have to ask him twice to do that. And here we get to hear Paul's first sermon. He actually preaches three sermons uh, in the book of Acts. And this is his first one. And we get to hear him preaching to those in need of hearing the good news. And in this audience, it would have been mostly Jews at that time. And it is amazing what we can learn from this sermon about how we can effectively share Jesus with others. And the first point is to begin where people are. Secondly, is to share the truth about Jesus. And third, is to share your story. First, begin with where people are. That is exactly what we see Paul doing here. He starts with their spiritual background. Verses 16 through 19 we read, Paul stood up and said, Fellow Israelites and friends of God, listen. God took special interest in our ancestors, pulled our people who were beaten down in Egyptian exile to their feet, and then led them out of there in grand style. Forty years wandering in the wilderness, wiped out seven enemies, and gave them the land of Canaan, a span in all of about 450 years. Notice again that Paul begins with talking about their spiritual legacy, their time held captive in Egypt, and how God prospered for the nation even there. And then how God led them out of Egypt and then through that time of wandering through the desert. Again, he started with their spiritual background. If we want to communicate the message of Jesus Christ to someone in our family or to 
friends, someone at work, neighbors, someone at school, an acquaintance, um, we begin with where they are. And the best way, um, I think, to get to know, really know someone and sincere, sincerely is to ask them questions. Uh, not, again, just like, what's your favorite show on Netflix? Uh, but maybe about like where they grew up, what their family was like. Um, or you can ask them maybe who have been some of the biggest influences in their life, maybe positive and negative. Um, and then even more than asking those questions, it is listening to their answers. Because when we listen, we really show that we care. Also, you can speak to them about their spiritual background. Now they may have a, a Muslim background or a Jewish background, or a lot of people you meet might not have quote unquote a spiritual background. Maybe their spiritual background is more just, ah, we just need to be one with nature. We need to worship nature. We'll, we'll begin there. Um, God made it. God, God made it all. So you can begin to talk to them about God um, through that. And for some, their spiritual background maybe we just need to do the best we can um, in this world. We'll begin there. Or, or you could begin with God's passion for, for justice and mercy. It's the cry from so many, um, just not only here in Austin, but across our nation, across the world. But again, you start where people are at. That's what Paul did. But relating to someone's spiritual background is not enough. We also have to share the truth about Jesus. And that's exactly what we see Paul doing here in chapter 13. In verses 27 through 31, we read, The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. In these verses, Paul speaks of how Jesus was fully human. So Jesus knew what it felt like to be rejected, to be falsely accused, um, to be abandoned, to suffer. And his death on the cross demonstrates his sacrificial love for us, that Jesus died to rescue us from sin. And in Jesus being raised from the dead, his resurrection proves that he is God, that he has overcome death. That means that there is nothing in our life that we will face that conquers Jesus. And friends, here's the good news. Because he's alive today, he wants you to know him. So when you share uh, Jesus with others, it's not so much about trying to, to um, defend your faith or to win an argument, but rather how you have experienced him in your life. For me personally, I've known from a very young age that God knows my name, that he has always been attentive to my life, and that he has redeemed those, even those parts of my life that I felt were unredeemable. And what I've experienced in Jesus, I know he wants the same for you. He knows your name. He is attentive to your life. And he can redeem even those parts that you feel are unredeemable. 
Friends, uh, if there's only one thing that you hear today, I, I hope you hear this, that there is no one who believes in you more. There is no one who, who cares more about you. There is no one that wants you to have um, a full life and to be loved than Jesus. And my question is, have you ever really felt loved by Jesus? I mean, not just to know that you're loved, but have you been, in a sense, swept off your feet or just overwhelmed by how much He loves you? If not, um, know that, that God does not withhold His love from you. By His nature, He, he freely gives it without limits or, or conditions. It's yours to receive. And in Acts chapter 13, we see that many did just that, that they were overcome by God's love and the power of the Holy Spirit moved in them and, and they responded um, to the message that Paul was proclaiming. But we also read that there are others who reject it. So as followers of Jesus, we have to be prepared that there will be some that, who will receive it and there'll be others who will reject it. But also know that their response is not up to us. We are called to share and, and to plant the seeds, and it is the Holy Spirit who opens up people's hearts and cultivates it. So when we want to be intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus, first, begin with where people are. Next, share the truth about Jesus what he has done in your life. And then third part, you share your story. How has he transformed you? How are you different now that you know Jesus? That's what Paul did. We see in Acts where Paul's life was like before he knew Jesus, then how he uh, encountered Jesus and, and how his life was transformed. Um, he went from persecuting Christians to, to planting churches and being a, a missionary. That's Paul's story. But what's your story? Everybody has a story. And the key thing about your story is that it's your story. People may argue with you about the existence of God or whether or not the Bible is true, but it's difficult to argue with someone about what God has done in their life. Your story may be full of fireworks and just massive life changes. Or it might be more of a quiet one where God has steadily been at work in you since you were a child. And your story is it's not only about how you met God, but what has God done in your life recently. And the important thing about it when you're telling your story is to be real and to be honest. Now, I would be reminisced if I just talked about how it's good for you to share your story without giving you an example. Now, I'm not going to share my own story, but rather um, have someone from our Vine community share theirs. For those of you who don't know her, I want to introduce you to Anna Melvin. And here's a picture of Anna and her husband, Andy, and their two children, Clementine and Cowan. And they just started attending the Vine um, just before COVID forced us from meeting together in person. But even with that being said, they've still found ways to connect to the Vine and through some of the small groups on Zoom and through some other opportunities. So that's been great to see. Um, it has been just a joy to get to know their family. And one time I was visiting with um, Anna and Andy, and Anna shared with me her story. 
And so I invited her to share her story uh, with you today. Thanks, Anna. Good morning, Vine family. I'm Anna Melvin. In light of today's sermon about the gospel going forward, Ted asked if I would share my story of coming to faith. When I was 25, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and they did not offer to help her with traditional medical treatments. They said she was too far along. So she explored some alternative treatments um, to try and fight for her life. One of which was inviting a shaman to our house one night to interview her to find out if she was a good candidate for his healing. Um, after the man left our house, my mom and her best friend and my sister and I kind of sat around the room debriefing about how strange and weird the experience was. We just kind of got into this pseudo-spiritual conversation. And my mom's best friend, who had heard me declare myself as an atheist in the past, um, just started asking me questions. She was like, so Anna, I'm just curious, like, did you do a lot of research? Like, did you read books and like make an informed decision that you were an atheist? You know, you figured that out like with intentionality, right? Um, or do you like have questions about God that you've just never really taken the time to ask? And the Holy Spirit used that moment to just pierce my heart. I started crying. And I just said back to her with surprise, like that this was my answer. I think I have questions that I've never been brave enough to ask. And she just looked me square in the eye and said, Anna, your mom's about to die. You've got to figure out what you believe because your whole world is going to be turned upside down and you need to know what you're going to stand on. And I just said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Very much a moment that the spirit convicted me that I needed to do some searching. So I went home that night to my apartment. I opened my bedside table drawer to get out my lip balm for crawling in bed, and there was a book laying in my bedside table drawer. It was Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. I had had a coworker, a man at my job, who had been annoyingly evangelizing me for months, inviting me to church, giving me Christian books, sharing scriptures with me, always asking me about what I thought about God. And my response typically to religious people who would ask me about God at that stage of my life was to uh, belittle them, uh, make fun of them, be mean to them, and just shut them down. I didn't want them asking me about God or talking to me about God, so I made them feel stupid and small and naive. Um, Yet he never gave up. He just was always so kind. And he was a likable guy, apart from his evangelism. Uh, and I was friends with him, but I just didn't like it when he talked to me about the Lord. So that night I picked up the book that he had gave me. And lo and behold, Lee Strobel was an atheist. And he was also a journalist, which was my trade. And he wrote Case for Christ from that perspective, from that background. And so I started reading it and I feel like the Lord just used it to open my heart to the reality that, hey, I am real, and Jesus was real, and like I really sent him to earth, and he really died for you. And I started getting all kinds of freaked out, like, wait a second, all this stuff, like I think I actually might buy it, like this might be real, what do I do with that? So after about three chapters, I said, if this is really legit, then I don't need to be reading a book. I need to go get a Bible and find out what it says. So the next day at work, I went up to my friend and said, hey, would you mind going with me after work today um, to buy a Bible? I think I want to read it and see what it says. And he played it so cool, like, yeah, totally. That's sure, I can do that. <laughs> Although I'm sure inside he was like, ah! So anyway, 
um, we went to the bookstore, the Christian bookstore, and I went up to the salesperson and I said, I've never read the Bible before, and I kind of think I would like to read the whole thing. Which one should I pick? And she helped me pick um, a one-year Bible. So I set out to read from cover to cover because I thought, if I'm going to do this thing called Christianity, if I'm going to be this follower of Jesus, I need to know what the Bible says from start to finish before I even sign up. So it was a long journey, but it was a valuable journey. About nine months into reading the 12-month version of the Bible, God let all of the truth that I had been learning in my head and all of the scriptures I'd been processing in my head, I was getting it, I was tracking with it, and it all of a sudden just went right down into my heart when I heard the testimony of a woman at a ladies' retreat who had a similar story to mine. Broken life, messed up, messy choices, so sinful that I couldn't even forgive myself, much less could imagine somebody else like God forgiving me. And her story of transformation and how God changed her life resonated with me. And all of a sudden I realized God is capable of forgiving me because he loves me and he, he's offering his mercy to me. And I'm the one who's just going, I just can't, I just can't. So in that moment, nine months into reading the Bible, the Lord just let it all sink from my head straight down to my heart. And I was broken and repentant and I gave my life to Christ. Um, and it was like the Lord just pulled me back in a slingshot and said, are you ready? Let's do this. And he let go and I just flew forward in hot pursuit of him. So excited to be pursuing the Lord. So excited to see him change my life, change my heart. Um, it was really, I was a new person. I would run into my old atheist friends and they were like, what is up with you? And like, so weird. So guess what I tried to do? Uh, evangelize them all the same ways that my friend had. I gave them the same books. I gave them the one year Bible. I used all the same phrases and words. I asked them the same kinds of questions that I had had and not one of them came to know the Lord. Not one. I used all the bells and whistles that had worked for me, that the Holy Spirit had used to transform me and yet he wasn't doing it in their lives. And that was really hard for me to see. But it also solidified in my mind that the Lord picked me and said, I want you in this moment to give your life to me. Now he may have plans for my friends, but they are not gonna be replicas of my story. They're going to be in their own timeline with the way the Holy Spirit knows that they need work in their hearts and in their lives. And so I had to really give that to the Lord. My job was to share whether they heard or not. There's a passage in Ezekiel that I've taken a lot of comfort from over the years as I've tried to share my faith with others and it feels like it falls on deaf ears. It's from Ezekiel 2. And basically God is saying to Ezekiel, I want you to go and tell people about me whether they listen or not. Whether they refuse to listen to me or whether they surrender their hearts to me, it's not up to you. I just need you to speak. It says, you must speak my words to them whether they listen or fail to listen. So that's sort of how I've taken my mandate moving forward. Lord, you've asked me to share my life and it may change somebody's heart. It may not. I know that you changed my heart, Lord, not my friend at work. He didn't change my heart or my mom's best friend who asked me those questions. She didn't changed my heart. The Holy Spirit changed my heart when I gave my life to Christ. So that's a little bit of my story. And I hope it encourages you to press forward as you share with your friends 
Um, and one thing I like to pray and ask God whenever I am sharing is, I don't want people to have my faith. Um, I want them to have their own. So I have a verse in Acts 17 that I like to take comfort in. It says, when they received the message with great eagerness, they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed. Like I want anybody I share with to just not take my word for it. I want them to go and read the Bible for themselves. I want them to pray and encounter God and the Holy Spirit themselves, not just because of something I said or something that I told them about how he changed my life. I need it to be personal for them um, because it's going to have to be their faith. They're going to have to own their own faith. They can't own my faith. So I encourage you guys this week, go and pray and ask, Lord, who do you want me to share my story with? And whether they listen or not, Lord, would you just find me to be faithful, to be speaking about who you are and what you've done in my life. So I hope that this story encourages you. May God go with you this week. Wow, thank you, Anna, for sharing your story with us. Uh, what a gift to our community. Just loved hearing about how the Holy Spirit has worked in your life and is continuing uh, to work in your life. And now while all of our stories um, are different, uh, again, I think it is so encouraging um, for us to hear one another. So encourage us as a community to continue to do that. Uh, our practice this week is that I want to encourage you to set aside some intentional time uh, to consider, uh, consider what your story is and, and how you would share that with someone. Maybe you could break it up into uh, three sections uh, before you came to know Jesus. Even if you grew up in a Christian home, kind of when you were younger, uh, what that was like, how you came to know the Lord, um, and then how He has continued to work and to bring change into your life uh, since then. So consider some ways, again, how He's transformed you and how He's impacted your life. I also want to encourage you um, to be praying to have the Holy Spirit just reveal to you who you can share your story, who needs to hear your story that you have access to that, that others, myself and Mark, may not have access to, um, but within your circles that you can share your story with. And remember to, to begin where they are, um, to tell them the truth about Jesus and to share your story. Uh, friends, it is a joy to follow Jesus with you. Um, I hope you all have a blessed week.